covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. And we do welcome you into another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. We are powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. I'm your host. I've got you for the next hour or so as we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers baseball. And this is the final program that we will have before there is actually baseball activities going on at the Brewers Spring Training Complex as pitchers and catchers are reporting this week. And soon after, it'll be uh, position players who report the first full squad workout is right around the corner. And before you know it, they are going to be playing Cactus League games. we got a lot to get into here on this week's program. First off, our normal housekeeping type of items. Uh, if you do listen to the program on Apple Podcast, if you want to take a moment and uh, leave some type of review, that would be fantastic. We would very much uh, appreciate if uh, you could do that. That always helps in terms of moving us up the list so other people can uh, find the podcast. And also, if you want to uh, ever communicate with me, best way to do so is on Twitter. You could tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. You can also drop me an email if you would like matt.pauly at wtmj.com so the news of the week and we'll get more into it coming up in our headlines of the week in our next segment but the news of the week was that reportedly uh the brewers were in on you darvish offering him uh north of a hundred million dollars for a total offer now we don't know the exact value we don't know the exact number of years those details as i record this on sunday night uh those details have not yet come out But it sounds like they did offer him a very, very respectable package and something that that he had to look at. Now, if you believe Ken Rosenthal, he tweeted out on Saturday that it seems like maybe what the Brewers were doing was just trying to bring the price up for teams like the Cubs. And if that's the case, well... It worked because the Cubs ended up paying a whole lot of money for uh, Yoon Darvish. But where does this place the Brewers at this point, especially in terms of starting pitching? There's been a lot of conversation. Do they do they go into the season with what they have right now? Do they add one pitcher? Do they add two pitchers? There's still pitchers out there to be had. From a free agency standpoint, you still have Jake Arrieta. You still have Lance Lynn. You still have Alex Cobb. There are other pitchers out there that can be had in a trade as well, and the Brewers have some assets to trade away if they want to go down that route. Nothing really has changed except now we no longer have to go through the narrative of whether or not they can sign you Darvish, whether or not Darvish would ever come to Milwaukee, things like that. We don't have to worry about it anymore. He's with the Cubs. And as cool as it would have been for Darvish to come to the Brewers, and I think the bigger thing in my mind for that, it would have been you know, one of these top-tier free agents signing with the Brewers. I don't know how much of an impact he has with the Cubs. I mean, that starting rotation for the Cubs looks good. Don't get me wrong. But if the Brewers can go out and uh, grab a, a starting pitcher or two, and, and I think it's one. Uh, again, there's been con- I've had conversations with people on Twitter about whether or not uh, the Brewers might go get two starting pitchers. In fact, there was even a tweet from John Heyman the other day saying that the Brewers are still trying to bring in two starting pitchers for uh, this upcoming season. I-, I have a hard time believing that will happen, but it'd be great if it did. You know that it, it would just make the team that much better. I've been saying this a lot lately. There's 25 spots on the roster, and at some point you got to start looking at that 25-man roster to figure out 
what what you need and where you're going to put them and, and if you, if somebody doesn't make the team and you lose them what goes in you know do they have the minor league options do you have to designate them for assignment so from my standpoint i feel like one starting pitcher being added would make the most sense at this point in time but you never know and again i, I go back to when we were at brewers on deck a couple weeks ago greg matzik and i were hosting a show on uh, 620 wtmj and we uh, we got done with a conversation with Mark Antanasio, and he said to us as he was walking away, "David still got some things up his sleeves." So I that I, I sit here and I I continue to believe that as long as there's a lot of top tier free agents out there, and as the off season market never really has moved along that there's still an opportunity for the Brewers to do something to really help out this roster before the regular season gets here. All right, here's what's coming up on the program this week. Adam Rigg from the Brewer Nation. He is the Brewer Nation. He's going to join us coming up in uh, just a few moments. And uh, also, as always, if you do want to get in contact with me, feel free to drop me a tweet at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. But right now it is time to get to this week's Headlines of the Week. It doesn't matter if it's right in the middle of the summer or winter. There's always news about the Brewers. Let's look back at the week that was with Matt's Headlines of the Week. Very slow week, very quiet week. You know, the biggest uh, news of the week is the fact that the Brewers do not sign you, Darvish. So it's almost like our Headlines of the Week are more uh, based around the Cubs because the Cubs uh, do sign him to a six-year, $126 million contract. By the way, I, I don't want the Brewers signing you, Darvish, to a six-year, $126 million contract. The Cubs might be in some, pro- in some trouble there. Year five, year six, who knows, year four of that deal. That's a For a guy Darvish's age, six years is a long, long time. And if I would have found out that the Brewers signed Darvish to a six-year, $126 million contract, I would have really had to work myself into convincing myself that it was a good move. Six years is a long time for you, Darvish, and that might be a contract that the Cubs are regretting at some point in the relatively near future. Still uh, out there from a free agent standpoint, you have Jake Arrieta, you have Lance Lynn, you have Alex Cobb. Andrew Kashner's name has been mentioned a little bit more recently. You know, it's a, We've been talking about four all, all, all offseason, so now that Darvish is off, I guess we can talk about Andrew Kashner. Uh, there's some guys out there who maybe could have be available in a trade. You know, There's a lot of talk about possibly going out and getting Chris Archer. It's going to take a lot. It's going to take a lot to get Chris Archer. Uh, Chris Archer would be fantastic for the Brewers, absolutely fantastic. I just don't know if... You know, they have enough to give away. That's It's still a stocked farm system, but are they willing? And is it a smart move? Uh, that's a, that's probably a, a question for a different time. If the move were to happen, we could investigate that then. But Chris Archer, it would take a lot to get him. Uh, one other little noteworthy item that, the, that's, that I want to mention. Uh, the Brewers did something this year, and depending on when you are uh, listening to this, it might still be going on. Look, we all know about the issue with Cubs fans taking over Miller Park during Brewers-Cubs games. And it's partially because Cubs fans get the tickets when single-game tickets go on sale. But the other part of it, and the other part of it's going to be a whole lot tougher for the Brewers as an organization to fight off 
Look, I know people. I know people out there who do not like going to Brewers Cubs games because they they don't like the atmosphere. They don't like the feeling of the environment at Miller Park. It becomes a very different kind of place. And I, I hear from people all the time that the Cubs fans who show up at Miller Park for Brewers Cubs games are not the same happy, jovial Cubs fans that you run into at Wrigley Field. So I hear it from Brewers fans all the time that they just have zero interest in walking into Miller Park when the Cubs are in town. Let the let Cubs fans have Miller Park. They'll they'll show back up when the Cubs exit. Well, all that being said, uh, the Brewers did something uh, this year. They are making it that only fans who live in Wisconsin zip codes can purchase tickets to the Brewers-Cubs games uh, for a certain amount of time. They, they went on sale last week, and uh, the pre-sale is going to go until midnight on Thursday, and then single-game tickets will go on sale a couple days later. If you're interested, by the way, uh, brewers.com slash Wisconsin pre-sale. Look, this isn't a perfect uh, solution. There's Brewers fans that live in Chicago and in other parts of Illinois, uh, other parts of the country that love coming to Brewers Cubs games, that you know are not going to be able to get the best tickets now. Uh, there's Cubs fans who live in Wisconsin who are going to get these tickets. I mean, look, I see Cubs stickers on cars and bumper stickers all the time. So you know, there's there's no real way to be able to try to keep the the Cubs fans out. But what I give the Brewers credit for is kind of thinking outside the box and trying to be creative in what they're doing to stop the environment from being the way it is. We'll see what it looks like. You know, we, we won't know how successful this really is um, until we go through the three series, April 5th through 8th, uh, June 11th through 13th, and September 3rd through 5th. Once those uh, series go, we'll see if this worked. But, uh, again, if you are uh, somebody living in the state of Wisconsin, Brewers.com slash Wisconsin presale. And that is going until Thursday night. That is this week's headlines of the week. After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast, is powered by WTMJ Mobile. We do continue on, and right now we're very happy to uh, welcome on to uh, the program one of our favorite guests. He was the first ever guest on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Now, over one year ago, as crazy as that might uh, seem, he is uh, Adam Rigg of the Brewer Nation. Hey, Adam, how are you doing? Man, I'm good. It, that does seem like a long time. It makes me feel even older than I, I normally do. A year of podcast. That's awesome. It is. It's uh, We passed it. I actually, I misspoke last week. I said last week was the one-year anniversary. It was actually two weeks ago was the one-year anniversary, but who's counting, right? You are, apparently. But uh, no, <laughs> I'm glad this has really taken off for you, and uh, I'm happy to have been a small part of it. Absolutely. Now, you're a big part of it, and we appreciate it. Uh, interesting week this week uh, for the Brewers, and interesting that uh, something that doesn't necessarily directly impact them. But first, the report comes out that the Brewers had offered uh, over $100 million in their deal to you, Darvish. And then a few days later, he ends up signing with the Cubs. And there were some reports then, since then saying that really the Brewers 
didn't, either they didn't think they were going to be able to make the deal or they were just trying to raise the price for the Cubs, whatever it might be. What's your takeaway on really what's happened in the last week concerning the Brewers and you, Darvish? Well, I guess my, my first thought when the initial rumor came out that the Brewers were in on Darvish, I guess it made sense because the Brewers clearly need a starting pitcher. Uh, well, not maybe not super clearly, but they, they could use an upgrade there. And Darvish is the one guy, the one main guy out there in the free agent market that did not have draft pick compensation tied to him. So the Brewers, if they were, or whoever, in this case the Cubs, whoever signed Darvish would not lose that draft pick. So I guess it made sense from that aspect. But knowing Darvish's general contract ballpark demands, it never seemed like the Brewers would want to play at that level. Not, be, not because they couldn't. Uh, certainly they've had the, uh, the payroll flexibility and, and the space underneath their own personal budget to be able to fit that kind of money in there. Um, we've talked about that at length, you know, on Twitter and on social media, on the podcast before, uh, this off season that they've got plenty of room to do what they want, but the sixth year that it seemed that it took the Cubs, uh, to throw in there to be able to get this deal done with Darvish. Um, they really seem that's not something the Brewers wanted to worry about paying Darvish at age 37. So, um, Overall, within the last week specifically, um, I don't know. I was very intrigued when I read that. Uh, from, I think it was from Ken Rosenthal, right, who said that um, maybe the Brewers weren't actually all that serious. They, maybe they never made a nine-figure offer like was reported, and perhaps it was just more about getting the price up for the Cubs. And I think that's great gamesmanship. Um, I think that's a, a tremendous use of position and general um, – I, I, the, the Brewers had – legitimate spot they were they were there they could have played so the fact that they were able to use that to their advantage even in not being able to sign the player i mean that's great on david stearns you know in multiple times over the years in the past the brewers have been used as a, a spot by the agent to drive up price so if the brewers were able to use themselves uh, to drive up price for their opponent uh, I think that's just a, a pretty good thing that the Brewers were able to accomplish. So now it seems like we would all assume that because Darvish was the guy without draft pick compensation, now all of a sudden the guys that do have draft pick compensation, Arietta, Cobb, Lynn, that the, maybe the market starts to hurry up a bit on those guys. A, would you agree with that statement and what's been a very slow market all offseason? And B, would you expect one of those guys to end up with the Brewers? I definitely think we should see some movement pretty soon. Um, I th- there's been talk that Jake Arrieta still wants a contract north of Darvish, um, dollars and years-wise, so we'll have to see what he ends up doing, how long he may end up holding out as a Scott Boris client. But ultimately, I think you ha- so many teams weren't on Darvish. I think it was six or seven teams by the end of it that reportedly had interest, from the Dodgers and Yankees, Twins, you know, the other teams that we- Texas even supposedly checked in before deciding to move on. So all of those teams that were supposedly in on Darvish would stand to reason that they would want a starting pitcher also. So you put your feeler out for the biggest fish, and then when that guy finally comes you know, on somebody else's hook, then you can maybe move on to your plan B, plan C options. So we should hopefully see a little bit more movement. Uh, maybe not every team thinks that plan B is Al Cobb, maybe some you know, some want Arietta, some want Cobb, some want Lynn. Like you said, there's multiple options out there. So if the Brewers are able to get somebody at their number, you know, uh, years and dollars wise, 
I would absolutely expect the Brewers. Let me put it this way: I expect the Brewers still to want to add a starting pitcher. Um, the main reports after the whole Darvish thing started to look like it was going to fizzle were that they preferred the trade option, and I think that makes sense for them. They don't want to have to commit huge dollars to, quite frankly, somebody who's aging. You know, most people don't reach free agency until their 30s, so if you're going to get a top-line guy, you're going to be paying them into their mid- and or late 30s in most of these guys' cases. So the Brewers can trade for a younger guy who's on a more team-friendly contract, more cost-controlled contract for the next number of years, a la trading for Christian Yelich in the outfield. You know what you've got, and he's a younger player. I think Yelich is 26 still, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, but the point being, whether or not they sign a free agent or trade for one, I expect them to want to still play in that market uh, and to add to their starting rotation. Um, that said, if no trades materialize, it wouldn't shock me at all if the Brewers went out and, and added the rotation to free agency. Are you comfortable with the starting rotation as it sits right now? I think so. Uh, go, yeah, going into the season, it's you've got five guys, six guys who could potentially take the ball, maybe even seven, depending on how deep you want to get if there's an injury. Uh, that could be a part of the rotation on opening day. You've got Jimmy Nelson, who will come back healthy at some point during the season, you know, based on reports. And there's always the ability, if you're doing well with the guys that you start with, to add somebody in July. So, yeah, you can start the season absolutely, I think, with the group that you have. And that is why David Stearns is able to have that public position saying that, you know, I think maybe we'll go with the guys that we have because he doesn't have to look desperate. He doesn't have to look like he needs to add. He may want to add, and that can be something that's known. But bottom line is, if this is the group that they start the season with, you know, and whoever fills out that rotation, again, that's nothing set in stone. That spring training for the Brewers in the rotation is going to mean much, uh, is going to mean much if that didn't come out clear because there's probably – two spots open right now and up to four guys competing maybe even five depending on what you want to do with a guy like brent Suter. so that's a spot that the brewers have some depth even though it's not you know high level elite depth not a lot of high ceiling depth uh to put it in scouting terms but i think that the brewers could go into the season like i said with this group and uh if that's the way it goes there's always the opportunity to add more it's uh, but we can. I think it's safe to think that, you know, in all likelihood, whether it is a, a trade or whether it is free agency, they they're looking for a top two, maybe top three at the least. But uh, you know, a household name to bring into the starting rotation. Well, yeah, I, I think that fans like the name. Fans like the guy who's you know, that had the years and has <clears throat> made an all-star team and maybe is placed in the Cy Young balloting. So that's definitely something there. But uh, ultimately, uh, you, there was a report that the Brewers talked to Oakland about Jarrell Cotton, who's a much younger, far less well-known uh, starting pitcher who potentially, I guess they were looking at him, who knows how serious, who knows how long ago, who knows if that's anything that's even close to active anymore. But the fact that they were casting that wide of a net uh, to, to potentially get a guy like Cotton uh, as a trade to bolster the rotation just goes to show you that David Stearns, I don't think, is too worried about you know what the name is on the back of the jersey that somebody is going to put on. He cares about what the arm can do as far as adding to this team and, and making it better. And if that happens to be a guy like Alex Cobb, then so be it. Uh, but if he's you know goes out and get 
get somebody else's fourth starter who is unproven but for, you know looks like he's on the verge of a breakout uh you know that he might do that and feel just as happy we are continuing to talk with uh adam rig from the brewer nation as his brewers extrains the podcast we are powered by wtmj mobile do you what's your takeaway it's been such a slow market and obviously the the players are not happy with things we find out this past week that the players association are essentially going to be running a spring training camp uh down in florida for unsigned free agents are you of the belief that there is this is something that's changing in baseball kind of a business a baseball thing or are you of the belief that this is more of an anomaly uh I'm very interested to see how this goes because uh, I'm not sure. It, it feels like it could definitely be a full market correction, whereas these guys for years have been getting longer and longer deals for more and more average annual value. And at some point, it, you know, these teams have realized, why am I putting these sixth and seventh years on these contracts? Eighth year, uh, what did Pujol sign with the Angels? Ten-year contract? Yeah. You know, just why would you want to pay a guy into his 40s or into his late 30s when you can basically, this is our best offer, take it or we can move on to somebody else who we value similarly. You know, so yes, Eric Hosmer supposedly has a pair of seven-year offers on the table. He's holding out for more. So it's not like he's not going to get paid at the end of the day. And uh, Udarish maybe didn't come in quite as high as he wanted, but he got six years. He got an opt-out. To do this all in a couple of seasons, though so he made some money. So Lorenzo Cain for the Brewers, you know, even more directly, got about what people thought he would at the beginning of the offseason, despite the delay in actually signing someplace. So there's still evidence that you know guys are are being valued properly and you know can make their money. Mm-hmm. But you know, I'm very curious to see how it goes next offseason. We've got guys like. Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, they're going to get paid. They're going to get paid handsomely. Clayton Kershaw, if he apps out from the Dodgers, these guys are going to make big dollars. They're young, you know, and they're really going to cash in. So people might say, oh, look, everything's fine. But it's more about the guys that are in the low 30s. I think uh, uh, MLB Network was talking about the idea or the, the subject and the idea of Josh Donaldson came up. That's going to be a guy to watch next year, next offseason, to see where he he falls if he's going to be one of these guys who's low 30s who just gets strung along for a couple of months in the offseason or is he who's had a very bright star in this game for a while for a few years is he going to be a guy who can still make some money sign early and, and get to work so uh no i, I to the long way to answer your question i really don't know what's going to happen um i'm hoping that this, the sides can come to some sort of understanding because the last thing I want to see, this this feels like it's screaming towards a labor stoppage yeah. in a couple of years when the CBA comes back up. But I'd like to see what next offseason holds and then use that. I mean, we in, in baseball all the time, we talk about small sample size. And I, I guess I have to apply that to this question because with just one offseason of, of this type of behavior on the free agent market, it's just too early to know. Well, one of the benefits is guys are around so fans can continue to think about what would this guy look like in this uniform and one guy we already know what they look like in the uniform is neil walker he is still out there you would assume that spring you know if he doesn't get signed before spring he's gonna go into spring and see if maybe there's a a middle infield injury somewhere that opens up a door for him to walk somewhere but if middle infielders stay healthy in spring do you think uh, walker and the brewers revisit uh, a possible spot for him I, I wouldn't see why not. Um, 
when Walker left town, he supposedly was looking for you know four years, maybe even five years of a contract. Back when everybody thought free agency would just be you know wild again, like most other off seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, clearly, he hasn't had that kind of offer on the table. Otherwise, I think he would have taken it. Um, but no, I think Walker can still definitely contribute. Uh, can probably start and would certainly fill a question mark for the Brewers. Um, Second base, as we know right now, it certainly seems to be Jonathan VR's job to lose in spring training once again. And if he's able to even come close to approaching the numbers he put up in 2016, then the Brewers offense just gets that much more ridiculous on paper. Uh, But the reason they brought in Neil Walker last year, as we all know, is because they needed more of a steady presence, and that's what Walker could provide. So, no, I think he's, I think he liked his time in Milwaukee. I think the Brewers were happy with his production when he was in Milwaukee. So it would absolutely make sense for those guys to uh, to talk if something doesn't happen for him over the next few weeks. Do you see a scenario where you could have you know twenty? You only have twenty five spots on a roster. Do you see a scenario where you could have a Neil Walker? A Jonathan VR and an Eric Sogard all make the team. And by the way, I'm assuming Hernan Perez is on the team. So with the assumption that Perez makes it, because I just I think he's such a Craig Council guy, I have a hard time believing they would move on from him. So assuming Hernan is on the team, do you see a, a 25 man alignment where you could keep those three other guys all on one roster? Uh, I mean, you ended the season that way this last year. So I guess in theory it could work. You could carry one less outfielder, depending on what happens with this outfield group as you go through training camp or through spring training, rather. Um, you know, Santana, Braun, Yelich, and Kane could be your four outfielders, conceivably. Yelich can play all three spots. We know Kane can play all three spots. So you could probably work it out so that you can keep all four of those guys. Sogard's flexibility. Uh, position-wise where he can play shortstop is would be a huge boost to that. We saw Walker filling at third base. Uh, he can play some first base that we've heard. Shaw can play both corners if he needs to. Um, probably you're running the risk of Thames or Aguilar getting fewer at-bats in that scenario. But, no, I think you could work it out if you had to. What's – it's a, it's an ongoing joke for for folks like us who are around social media and Brewers Twitter all the time. You know, people wanting Ryan Braun to play first base. Well, now he's going to get a chance to play a little bit of first base uh, with with the number of outfielders that they have. What's your expectation for what the Ryan Braun first base experiment is going to end up looking like? Uh, expectations. Um, I guess I don't have any. <laughs> uh, he. We all know that when he played third base, last time he was on the dirt, it was one season. He had so many errors. It was just cover your eyes awful. And it was the only reason he came close to losing the rookie of the year uh, that season. He ended up winning it, of course, as we all remember. But his defense was so bad that those offensive numbers he put up were were, that's, (laughs) that's how bad his defense was. But the biggest problem for him was his throwing. It was his footwork and his throwing to be in proper position. He didn't have trouble fielding the ball. He didn't have trouble, you know, picking the the baseball when it came in hot at the hot corner. So I think from that aspect, he'll, he would be fine. Um, he's not uh, the biggest target over there. Uh, the, the, I think the main thing I would worry about with Ryan Brock's base is keeping his legs in his back, which has been his problem areas the last couple of seasons that calf has acted up. 
and we with the big ice packs on his back and you know after the surgery that he had and and all that kind of stuff uh, that would be my biggest concern but I think he'll hit no matter where he plays I don't think he's the type of guy who would you know worry about his defense affecting him at the plate he's proven that that hasn't bothered him in the past when he wasn't that great of a right fielder when he was a terrible third baseman he still hit the baseball so if he's healthy he'll produce offensively that's what you need ryan braun to do that's why you want to put him in the lineup and that's why you'd want to put him at first base to keep him in the lineup so all that said the expectations i guess i I wouldn't have many left to see how spring training plays out but I, i think he'd ultimately be fine over there um, he'd make some mistakes, but that, that would be part of the game of learning something brand new that you've never done before at this stage in your career. Do you think Domingo Santana is on the team on opening day? Uh, I, I would, if you would have asked me this question two weeks ago, uh, or anytime from two weeks ago to the beginning of the 2016 season, I would have said no, uh, that I wouldn't have expected it. I think he's a guy who can be traded Uh, they clearly have the depth there even more so than they had and he could bring back pitching which is what they need that said at this late stage of the game i don't think stearns is going to overplay his hand i don't think he's going to force himself to trade santana just to move a guy Um, like we mentioned broxton and phillips both have options they can go down to the minor leagues if they need to save that depth you know Stearns always talks about how depth is so important throughout the you know, different positions on the roster. And it's one way that they can squeeze you know, and get a couple more guys that they can maintain. So I, at this point, you know, what are we recording on February 11th? Camp opens in three days. It's like it seems all signs are pointing to Domingo Santana being here through spring training and starting the, the season with the Brewers. Now, Finishing the season with the Brewers, if the Brewers are, are doing well and contending, uh, and Santana is just having uh, even an, an average season, average to above average season offensively, I think he's certainly a guy that they could end up moving in order to bring back what they need. It's really amazing that you know a guy like Keon Broxton, who yes, he was streaky last year, uh, but overall put up some pretty impressive numbers, and a guy like Brett Phillips, who had the September that he had, that we're sitting here talking about those guys very possibly starting the season at AAA. Yeah, to, uh, to a degree, that's true. Um, I think in, in baseball you see that a lot, though, and the Brewers have experienced that over the years as well, where a guy that you would think, based on talent, based on the ability of the other guys that are on the roster, like why isn't that guy in the big leagues? Why isn't that guy you know, starting in the big leagues? And sometimes... You know, you have to do, play the, the roster crunch game to maintain organizational depth. And those guys, unfortunately, <laughs> that's the negative of having uh, minor league options, is that sometimes you're the ones that are squeezed out. But no, the, talent-wise, what they're capable of doing, um, as you say, Broxton seriously needs more consistency. Uh, he admitted that as much last year a couple of times. He said he knows that he's a streaky hitter, and he does everything he can to get himself back into good streaks. And he posted a 2020 season last year, and yeah. if he can get on base more, cut down the strikeouts a little bit, uh, I'd rather him go, you know, 15 and 30 because he's getting on base more. You know, that being 15 home runs and 30 stolen bases because he's getting on base more and cutting down his swing a little bit, and maybe he can stay more consistent that way. But 
Um, you know, him and Phillips, Phillips' defense plays in all three spots. He would be a tremendous re- reserve outfielder uh, on this team and eventually, you know, potentially showing himself a path to becoming a starter at the big league level. So you've got all this talent and, and not all these spots to put it in, and it's a good problem to have, but it is something the Brewers are going to have to deal with. All right, but before we let you go, uh, as spring training is just about to get underway with pitchers and catchers reporting and then position players reporting just a few days later, in the early portion of spring training, first week or two, what are the things that you're most going to be uh, taking an eye out and looking out for uh, from this team? What most interests you for the early part of spring training? Well, of course, as we all know, pitchers and catchers report first, and I think there's uh, things to watch on both of those positions. You've got three catchers in, well, I mean, obviously five, six catchers in camp, but three that potentially could be, you know, in the big league roster. They all had big league time last year. Manny Pena, Stephen Vogt, Jet Bandy, none of them have minor league options. Uh, so one of them you will run the risk of losing. They, that was the DFA to Andrew Susak uh, to make room for one of their relief pitching ads recently. But those three guys at the top of the depth chart, um, interested to see how that works out in terms of playing time eventually and uh, performance, production really, because I think Jet Bandy is going to have to hit his way onto this team if he's going to be a part of the 25-man rush on opening day. So I'll be watching that. Um, and then I want to see how the relief pitching kind of settles in with itself. Nobody's going to supplant Corey Knable as the closer, but some of those new options they brought in for higher leverage innings, you know, Matt Albers, for example, uh, being the most recent guy, um, and some of the minor league signings that they had, Ernesto Frieri, you know, as an example of a guy who's closed in the big leagues before, you know, they've got, got all these new options. So how that kind of settles itself in, because I think there's a couple of jobs that could be won in the bullpen this year uh, coming into camp. And then with the rotation, as we mentioned, two open spots right now. Council said at Brewers on deck uh, a couple weeks ago now as we sit here that there were four, a group of four guys in his mind were the, the main competitors for those two open spots. And you, you really want to see who gets those first cracks at it, who's you know the first guy to take the ball, uh, how many innings they get, how many looks they get, and, and how they perform in those appearances. So, you know, you have to take spring training numbers with a grain of salt. It's more about the execution and the approach than it is about the results, of course. But uh, those guys are they are going to need some results, too, to hopefully get themselves in a position to be on the big league club. So that's the stuff I'm going to be paying attention for early in camp. Of course, uh, how the outfield alignment goes, where Christian Yelich plays, how Braun does, if he does play some first base, uh, how that all works out, too, is going to be worth watching. But um, I think that's that's the main stuff I'm going to focus on early is a lot of that position battle type stuff. He is Adam Rigg. You can follow him on Twitter at the Brewer Nation or at Brewer Nation. It's the Brewer Nation, but the at is just Brewer Nation. There we go. And if you're listening to this, there's a 99.9% chance uh, you already follow him on uh, Twitter if you are on Twitter. Adam, always appreciate the time, and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll get you on uh, at least one more time before the uh, before opening day as uh, we'll do a season preview with you just prior to the uh, start of the year. Sounds good to me. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a fun season in Milwaukee, and uh, you know, Brewers on Neck was a great kickoff. I think this team is going to be fun to watch again this year. And for anybody that got on the boat late last year, uh, they know what they they don't know what they missed because 
I think all six months of the season are going to be fun again. Adam Rigg joining us on the program. We certainly appreciate him taking a little bit of time with us today. Again, uh, Brewers uh, pitchers and catchers, they are reporting this week a few days later. It'll be the full squad workouts. And uh, before you know it, we are going to have uh, Brewers baseball and Cactus League action. In fact, uh, I we... Uh, my boss at WTMJ. I'm going to open up the, uh, the 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 door a little bit. Uh, you can look behind the glass for a second, behind the curtain, whatever you want to say. Uh, you know, sends out the the weekly schedules a few weeks in advance, and we got the schedule this past week that had the first uh, Brewers Cactus League game uh, on the air. So a lot of excitement. And uh, when we do the podcast coming up next week, we're actually going to be able to talk about baseball related items not a lot only going to be a few days in but we are going to be able to talk about baseball related items as things are going to be going on on the field uh down at maryville and uh that is uh that's very very exciting all right that's it for the podcast this week again uh, my appreciation to uh, adam rick for uh joining us we'll talk to you next week for another edition of brewers extra innings the podcast we're powered by wtmj mobile thanks for listening to brewers extra innings the podcast Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.